This is the Aussie Animal Show on Triple A Radio. Welcome to the wildlife. My name is Robert Armstrong. This is a totally unusual situation for us here at AAA Radio. I'm presenting an update before the actual interview. To tell you the truth, we went to air early with this interview because of the timeline on the issue. There are four koalas inside a blue gum plantation in Gordon, near Ballarat, Victoria. Tomorrow, they were going to harvest the plantation. We have an update. But before we go to the update, please, these koalas are still in danger. What I need you to do is to hit up your Facebook account. Go to Delp Grampians, D-E-L-W-P, G-R-A-M-P-I-A-N-S, and simply send a message. Relocate the Gordon Koalas. Jessica, can you give us an update? I can. I can, Rob. Thanks. So in the last week, we've had quite a lot of media attention, which has been really helpful for us to just inform the community about what's happening and what what's not happening. And I think potentially that has influenced some changes. So this morning I had a call from Central Highlands Water and just so you know, the plantation was due to be cleared tomorrow. And I had asked for Central Highlands to get back to me about some fencing, some temporary fencing, our last ditch attempt to keep these koalas safe from the freeway during harvest. So we don't know whether the fencing is, is, is going to stop them from entering the freeway, but it's certainly going to deter them. So we had asked for that and I had not had a response in two weeks from Central Highlands. But after all the media this week, I did get a call this morning from Central Highlands confirming that they are going to put up some fencing, some 1.8 metre fencing along the freeway wrapped around Cartons Road. So to deter them from actually getting onto that perilous freeway. So this is really good news for us. Well, it's a, it's a step in the right direction in terms of protecting them. There's no clarification yet on the harvest direction. That's still sort of open for discussion. So I'm still waiting to hear about that. The harvest direction will, I mean, they're looking at ways to harvest in a way that's going to uh, push the koalas in a certain direction. So this is really tricky. This is really, really tricky being on the edge of a freeway. Obviously, the most logical way is to push from the freeway out but that is into open paddocks but it's also towards uh, retained blue gums so look this is still open for discussion so I, I can't really comment any further on that so yes we've got another week central highland seem to be a reputable company no doubt midway hopefully are a reputable company the big fall down seems to be our conservation department delp I've spent three days dealing with these companies and they're all referring me back to DELP and now DELP won't speak to me. Have you had any similar problems? That seems to be that seems to be what they do. So they send you on a wild goose chase uh, and you never get into you never get onto anyone. And this is this is obviously a strategy of DELPs. They don't want to speak to anyone. They don't want to be accountable for anything. And they and they go to great lengths to protect identities too. So you never actually find out who is making these decisions. There's, also, there's absolutely no transparency whatsoever with the department. 
And, yeah, this has taught me a lot, this process, you know, um, campaigning for this small plantation. Look, this is a, a tiny, tiny example of a massive industry that's, you know, we're dealing with 50,000 koalas in plantations. God knows what's happening to them in the southwest of Victoria. You know, we're fighting this hard for four. Imagine it, it, they have so much control and power and that work with them in utter secrecy like there's like yeah it's it's mind-boggling there has been some good news for our wildlife here in victoria the state budget was announced and i believe that you may have had a small win yeah this has come through this week as well so this has been oh it's been a, a really happy happy time for me in terms of i, I put this submission through last year because as a rescuer and carer we over the last 18 months, we've rescued 30 koalas and many of those have died. And, and mostly the, the rescues are mostly car collisions because the habitat's so fractured now, they, they wander onto roads and get hit by cars. So the kind of care that they need, the kind of um, medical care they need is emergency care. And, um, and, and, you know, they're in obviously in a lot of pain. We just don't have that here in Ballarat. In fact, six months ago, all of our vets shut their doors to wildlife after hours. So now we have no access to vets after hours or on weekends, which is ironically when we get most rescues, car collisions mainly. So yeah, so we have no vet facilities. And even if we could take them to vets here in Ballarat, not many are trained to deal with wildlife. So, you know, all they can do is administer pain relief usually or euthanasia, humane euthanasia. So we do have one wildlife vet here in, in Ballarat and she's amazing. Um, and we are we work closely together. She does with the two carers, myself and Jen. And last year I approached Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party with all the issues that we were having with our koalas here and having no access to care and just the desperate need for some sort of a hospital or, you know, care facilities and also you know, a big part of this problem with our koalas here, we've barely got any left, are the statistics that DELT put out about the koala numbers in Victoria. And these numbers are based on, you know, a statistical model that's not, and most of our koalas, as we know, are on the islands of Victoria and in plantations. The ones in inland are almost extinct, like they are so endangered here. But there's no, there's no data, there's no research that can clarify that. So we desperately need better research. So I said to Andy, you know, what we really need long-term is his research on, on the koala health and habitat and, and, the, and the issues here. So um, Adrienne is actually already, she had already started a research project or she was applying for funding for a research project with Fed Uni and a few other stakeholders. And so we applied for a little bit of funding, seed money for that research to start, for it to start, you know. So when we do get injured koalas and they come to her, we can track them. We can microchip that, well, whatever process she has, we can actually track them afterwards and find out what's happening to them, where they're, where they're going, where they come from. So we don't have that kind of data here. We don't have that kind of information. So that funding we got, which was accepted two days ago through, through Andy and the Animal Justice Party, will help with seed money for research and it will help with some immediate care for those for any koalas that come into care uh, in Ballarat. So, yeah, we're wrapped. This is a really good day.
for our koalas in that sense. It's always been a tourist area. And one of the highlights has always been the possibility of just bumping into a koala in the Ballarat district. It's, it's always been a part of the tourist push. No, no, it's a rare occasion that you'll ever spot a koala in this region anymore. You'll have to go to the wildlife park to see one. So, look, um, like lots of people contact me and say, you know, I've got a massive 80 acres of koala habitat and we never see any koalas anymore. It's so sad. And I say, I know. Well, that's because they've all been dropping off and no one's been monitoring that. No one. No one bothers to monitor that, not our department. Um, And unfortunately... You know, it's not going to get any better. They're wandering around onto roads because the habitat's gone. Pretty dire. We can't, we can't just ignore it. We have to, have to keep trying, right? We have to keep trying. This program is a little bit different. We're talking about just four native animals. Four. Four koalas. Well, at least that's a number that's been reported. There are four koalas in a blue gum plantation about to be harvested next Friday the 6th of May. Jessica Robinson, wildlife carer, is concerned about the well-being of these animals and has been campaigning for six months to have them relocated before the harvesting takes place. DELP. Now that's a term you'll hear often during this interview. DELP is an acronym. It stands for the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. Basically, it's the Conservation Department and they've decided to do nothing. Let's hear from Jessica. Speaking with Jessica Robinson, wildlife carer and now a very active activist. Jessica, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Rob. You're fronting an issue that is concerned about four Mm. specific koalas, Now, we're not talking about large populations over large areas. Can you tell us all about what's happening in this blue gum plantation? Sure. So we don't don't generally have a lot of plantations in this area. We deal with a lot of other koala issues due to habitat destruction. But we, we have four koalas that are living, currently living in a blue gum plantation, which has been on central highlands water in Gordon for about 20 years this plantation. I think it's been felled once before, but this is the second harvest. Now, it doesn't just have koala residents, it has other residents in there that the the community see often, and that includes ringtails, gliders, we have kangaroos in there, often wallabies, and the endangered fasca gale as well has been spotted in there. And in fact, the environment consultant that did a a review of the plantation for Central Highlands actually confirmed that there were Fascagale nests in one of the hollows. So yeah, we have all this wildlife and there's, it's not being considered at all. Uh, It's not being considered by DELP or by Central Highlands Water. There is a timeline involved here and it's a very short one. Mm. There are four koalas in a plantation Uh, which is a commercial venture, and there's nothing wrong with commercial ventures. We've got four koalas that will be facing, well, how do you describe it? Total destruction this coming Friday. Just to give you a little bit of backstory, we we have been in negotiations with Central Highlands Water for about six months, which have amounted to nothing, basically. It was a big waste of time. We think it was a big tick-boxing exercise for them. But they were dealing directly with Midway, the harvest company, and directly with DELP. We had no contact with DELP. They hid behind Central Highlands, and our only contact was with Central Highlands. We managed to get a couple of things changed over that six months. 
One being that they will leave a retaining buffer of trees along Cartons Road, but originally they wanted to keep that buffer along the freeway as well. And that would have just been catastrophic because koalas would have literally been living on the verge of a major freeway. So we did manage to convince them to get rid of that buffer, but they certainly didn't add to the other buffer that is on along Cartons Road. So they're leaving a patch of trees for the remaining koalas, but it's not going to be enough to sustain them. It's not a habitat. So people can understand this uh, area we're talking about, the image posted online clearly shows that it is a relatively small patch of trees bordered on one side by a 100 kilometre an hour rated road and on the other yeah. sides by open fields, which is not ideal koala habitat. No, no. So, um, yeah, it borders a major freeway with 110k zone and it's a known hotspot for drivers. There's always work, there's always dead wildlife there outside the plantation, um, roos and koalas. We've had two already found outside the plantation trying to cross the freeway. Um, so, yeah, it sits on the, and it's isolated. It's really isolated. It has no habitat around it, scattered trees here and there. And the only habitat is on the other side of the freeway, which is Gordon. And they frequently do come over from Gordon. So we know that's where they're coming from, a lot of them. So ultimately, they will aim to get back and they will need to cross that, that freeway. We tried to negotiate the relocation of those koalas. And in fact, the consultant that Central Highlands hired to give them advice around this actually said to them, my advice is to relocate those koalas because it's not good for them if they stay. They won't, you know, there's too many risks anyway. If you take away those trees, it just adds to the risks. So Central Highlands took that to DELP and DELP did not support it. So basically, DELP have decided that they're just going to clear fell, leave the koalas as is and just leave the rest to chance. Shaking my head. We're talking four koalas in a very small plantation. It's just an afternoon's work to relocate those animals. We actually, we, in, in case it was a resource issue for DELP, we actually offered to help them. We, you know, we've, we've, we've transported and rescued lots of koalas here. In fact, in the last year, we've had, well, the last 18 months, we've rescued 30 koalas and 21 of those have died from their injuries. And most of those were from car strikes. So we just don't want more fatalities. We just, you know, we hardly have any left here in Ballarat and we've been advocating for years to local MPs, to the state government, to the Minister of Environment, and we just don't get anywhere. They just don't care. I'm sorry, I'm not usually lost for words. This is such a, a simple problem to solve and it seems like advice the department's received is relocate and they've chosen not to. Doesn't make any sense, especially after, look, fresh in people's minds are those images of what happened when uh, clear felling took place with koalas present. It's commonly called the koala massacre. We're talking four individuals. Surely we put some worthy uh, value on these four koalas well what can be done what do you need how can we help oh look at this stage you know it's it's five days away so i don't think there is much we can do um we've got a we've got a group of volunteers now where people have put their hand up to to be on site for the three weeks of this harvest just to monitor the situation just in case we do see koalas that go onto public land and we can rescue them. Originally they were going to harvest from east to west which would be pushing koalas into open paddocks with just a freeway and open paddocks. So we did manage to convince them not to do that 
they didn't actually go with my recommendations. I actually said, if you're really concerned about the freeway, and that's why you've chosen that direction, why don't you push them away from the freeway from south to north? And they came back and said, we decided to go the other way, take your advice and push them towards Carton's Road. Um, and that is a better solution, slightly better solution, but we actually know that why they've done that. And they've done that because they, when they're harvesting, we won't have any visibility. We won't have it because we are stuck on public road. We won't have any visibility of what's actually going on in the plantations, which is just the way that DELP and the harvesting companies like it. So this is where we're at. We, we can't really do anything to change this, but I am pleading with the Central Highlands to, to erect fencing along the freeway, at least during the harvest and, and post-harvest for a little while, just to deter koalas from crossing the freeway. There is an overpass from which some of them may have come over. It's a wide overpass that crosses the freeway. If we could somehow redirect them that way, it might, it might save a few might save a couple and, and I'm, I just have to add something that those four koalas what Central Highlands tell us are there we have not had the opportunity to do any independent surveys of that plantation so they're telling us there's only four koalas so yeah we just want now at this late stage we want them to put fencing up um, tall fencing to deter the koalas from from crossing the freeway and at least that way they'll go towards the overpass there's no ideal outcome for this. I mean, even if they're forced out into the open farmland, how far away is the next stand of native habitat? Oh, there's a patch of habitat just over a K away in that direction to the west, which is what they were hoping would happen. They were put, They said, we, we feel that pushing them into the open farmland is the best solution because they've, they've got habitat a K away. Well, there's also habitat to their left across the freeway. So that's a really big risk that they're expecting them to travel a kilometre in one direction when they've got habitat that they can see to their left. So, yeah, we, we just weren't comfortable with that. At least on Carton's Road, they, the retained buffer is there. So the blue gums that they're used to eating, they, they've got those. And Carton's Road has some native trees as a sort of a corridor, roadside corridor. If this goes ahead as planned, which it seems like it's going to, doesn't bode well for all the other plantations, especially down in the southwest of Victoria. Yeah, well, look, what I'm describing is a microcosm of a huge, a much bigger issue that we are seeing in Victoria. Um, half of our koala population live in blue, in blue gum plantations, 47%. And yet there's no strategy, DELP has no strategy in how to deal with koalas when those plantations come down. So when those plantations come down and, and there's one that's due to be felled fairly soon, I think, and there's like 200, they think there's 200 koalas living in there. So where do they go when those trees come down? The reason they're in there is because their native habitat is depleted. They don't have the habitat to go back to. Delp have no solution. They just will let them roam and starve and probably end up culling them because of poor health. So th this is the dilemma, and the government has not thought about how to deal with plantations. Um, they've never tried to fence koalas out of them. It's obviously too costly. So, yeah, I mean, look, the plantation companies are supposed to be working with DELP on solutions, but we don't have time. We don't have any more time. Like, we cannot afford to keep losing our koalas. I know from personal experience that in the past, the department has been, shall we say, a little quick 
to cull koalas. It seems like once an animal is displaced and hungry and looking for a new location in which to live, the department then deems them as being unhealthy and kills them. That's right. Slightly underweight would be an, a, a good enough reason. It's, it's, it is like a death sentence for them. Um, they, they, they have a nice, comfortable habitat and that's felled and then they're left without anything. It's a crisis. It's a real crisis. In the southwest of Victoria, I mean, they are owned by industry. They have really big industries and they're planning on more big industries, I believe. Industry down there are authorised by DELP to assess and relocate koalas. I mean, that's insane. These people are not trained to deal with koalas. They're not trained to assess a sick koala and you should not be relocating a koala that is sick. It should be going to a vet. And that's another issue up there. They don't have any vets after hours, just like we don't here in Ballarat. So the care for koalas, and they do require complex care. You can't just take them to any old vet. Most vets don't have wildlife experience. Ballarat, one of the biggest regions, and Western Vic, they don't have after hours vets. It's it's just insane. Like carers are 300 Ks from the Werribee Zoo. They can't be expected as volunteers to take koalas there for treatment every time they get hit by a car or have illness so yeah it's 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 a dire situation really I talked to carers up there and it just sounds really dire so down here we have this small plantation with four koalas but it's a much bigger issue that people need to understand in the past in Victoria we've relocated koalas it's been happening for 150 years some successful some of those too successful But the problem has always been the fact that the populations were released into a forest that was limited. It wasn't linked. Koalas were not able to naturally migrate and grow as a population, limited by habitat. Haven't we learned anything? No, I don't think. (laughs) Well, the people responsible for them have not. In fact, there's very little research that's consulted. Don't, don't consult research. It's just something they do. There's lots of research that needs to happen. And they, we need funding for that research to happen. And I have actually, with Andy Medic, I have, I have looked into and applied. We've put a submission in for some funding for some seed uh, research to be done here in Ballarat, just so we can start to track the koalas that, we, that do come into our care and find out where they're going, what their, what their behaviour is, what the outcome is if they're relocated somewhere. Because sometimes we are supposed to relocate them where we find them, but sometimes it's just it's impossible, right? So, you know, it's in it's on a freeway in open paddocks. So, this unfortunately, this is where we find koalas sometimes. There has to be a solution. I remember in in the mid eighties, uh, the Arthur Ryler Institute for Environmental Research uh, come up with um, a paper on koalas with a Victorian strategy, and it basically asked all the questions, and gave very few answers. Mm. But the issues they tackled in that mid-80s report is exactly what you're talking about now. It seems like nothing has been done. Nothing. And in fact, I've even looked at research that was done here in 1991. And yeah, same issues. Same issues. I do remember the public outcry. It must have been about 93, 94 when a paper was released by the Victorian government And one of the suggestions for managing koalas was to shoot them. Well, there was public outrage. And so there should be. Yes. And so there, you know, like I think, I think DELP have good reason to hide a lot of this stuff. 
because they know, they even mention public perception as an issue in their, their new koala management strategy. And they mention that because it is, because people don't want koalas cult. <laughs> people love koalas and look, they may be a problem in one location, but they're, they're extinct in others. So this is something that really needs to be looked at. We, we need to save as many koalas as we can now, and we need to look at initiatives, not just one initiative, it needs a multi, it needs, we need lots of strategies. We need to regenerate habitats. We potentially, particularly in Southwest, we potentially do need to keep some blue gum plantations permanently until we do have enough habitat to, to release them back to. But we, we've taken their habitat. We need to now work out how to save them. Locals who live with koalas, and uh, I have friends up uh, around the Yay area, and they have a decent resident population. When they're doing their paddocks, they leave corridors of natural bush linking mm. patches of forest. It's a simple procedure. Uh, not just koalas, but all native wildlife use these corridors, but it does protect the land from erosion and wind. So the farmers are winners as well. So there are some simple practical things that can be done. It just needs to be initiated on a large scale. Absolutely. There needs to be incentives for landowners, government incentives. There, there are people, there are a couple of really progressive farmers around here doing stuff like that. In fact, my stepmother, my stepfather does it as well up in, uh, in Skipsland. Not that he's got koalas there, but he puts them there for other wildlife. Yeah, so plant trees and create corridors. Um, this is what we're missing. You know, the, the fact that corridors are so broken now, it's causing a lot of issues for our wildlife. I've sent emails off to Midway and also uh, Central Water. We'll, we'll just see if they get back and what they've got to say about it. Should I hold my breath waiting for replies, do you think? Oh, look, uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> you might suffocate. <laughs> I have to say, uh, yeah, they probably will send you a blanket response like they have with others. I think they've basically shut up shop now in terms of negotiation. I, I have to add, though, I can't not say this, but Central Highlands have come up with some long-term strategies as an offset for doing what they're doing. So not all landowners have to do that. So they have actually done well in terms of they've got, they will be net, uh, planting some native trees to create a sort of a corridor for the koalas in the future, back to the the habitat, which is a K from, a K from there. But, you know, it doesn't help them now. And we may not have koalas in 20 years when those trees are ready. So we, you know, it's it's not a it's a strategy for long term. It's not, you know, it's not helping the ones that we have now, and that's what we need to do. I hope that our listeners will have a similar mindset to me. I don't see this as, as a massive problem. We're not talking about relocating two thousand native animals that need care. We're talking about four or five, possibly six animals. Volunteers are experienced. Department are experienced. And I'm sure if a call went out, we'd have interstate people coming in to give a hand. They are what makes Australia, Australia. And to identify a small number of species that we have the technology and ability to help, but those responsible just choose not to. That doesn't make any sense. Am I missing something? I think people put way too much faith in our government departments that they, they just assume they're doing their jobs. And they're not. They're doing it really, really badly. They're not protecting our wildlife. It's not just koalas. They're not doing a good job. I mean, there was an inquiry recently into DELP and it was scathing. It was absolutely scathing. 
but they are, nothing has nothing has happened as a consequence. Look, they are there to service their clients, and in this case, their clients are felling trees. Yeah, they're a big industry. The plantation industry is huge. They work very closely with Delp. Koalas have become a real issue for them. It's, they're a problem. They become a problem for them in the southwest. So they're putting a lot of pressure on Delp to deal with the problem. And Delp just don't have the skills to deal with the problem. They don't know how to deal with it, which is probably why when they put this Victorian koala strategy out for consultation, they're probably just relying very much on feedback from people who who submit back to that. So, I mean, I've certainly given my feedback on that, but we need more experts giving feedback. Have you had any support from your local MP? Absolutely zero support. The local MP for, she's not mine, I live in Ballarat, but she's the local MP for Gordon. Michaela was contacted by every one of our advocates um, and lots of people who were just, you know, wanting to help. And she, not only did she not do anything or, or not, she didn't express any concern for the koalas, she basically denied that she was the MP for that area, for Gordon. She denied that she was, that she even represented Gordon. And when I checked with the, the MP that she said it was, she said, no, it's definitely Michaela. So she just, no accountability whatsoever. I know who I'm ringing. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, don't hold your breath. Like I said before, you might not get a response. But um, yeah, we have tried everyone. We there's the, we have left no stone unturned. We've six months, we have battled, we have worked so hard to try and turn this around for the koalas. But it was a, it was a David David and Goliath battle, and uh, we we just we can't fight the department. We can't fight industry. We just can't. I mean, this is the, you know more people need to understand what's happening. This is really important, and that's why we'll keep advocating. Well, let's get this week uh, the start of the harvest out the way, and let's look at doing a program on suggestions and ideas that we could put forward to the relevant authorities, and you're quite uh, welcome to use this program in any way that will benefit the cause. Oh, great. Thanks, Rob. That's really helpful. Thank you. And I'll be on the phone to you during the week. Fantastic. All if right. I If I get... A th- <laughs> If I get anything at all, I'll be straight on the line to you. But I've got a funny feeling I'm going to get a lot of blank stares and we'll get back to yous. Yeah, I'd be very interested to hear. But look, we, we may have some more news. We're going, to be, we're going to have our volunteers on site for three weeks. We, we hope that we don't have to do any rescues, but uh, yeah, we just see how we go. So I'm happy to come back and we can continue the conversation. Interesting point. If you have your rescuers on standby and a distressed koala is seen i would like to challenge their authority to keep you off the property under the potka act anyone you you can be charged for not helping an animal well that's really interesting i didn't know that because i was not wanting to encourage people to go on, on private land it is private land and i don't want to give you know, I don't want to, we don't want to cause any chaos, but if I did see an animal, I'm sure that I probably couldn't contain myself. If, especially if there was no one else in sight to help. For it, sure. I, I for would, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Look for our listeners, POTCA is the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act. And it clearly states that you are in breach of the act and can be charged for not rendering assistance. Uh, you can be charged for doing something that causes cruelty to an animal and you can be charged for not preventing or assisting an animal 
So you you have a, a requirement to go in there and that, help that animal. Yeah, well, if that's the case, we will not be hesitating. I mean, the, the harvest will come from a different direction to where we'll be, we'll be the opposite direction. Yes. They'll be coming from the west, so we won't see anything, but we may see animals that are displaced or running from you know the noise or we, we don't know what we're going to see we, we have no idea we may see nothing but uh if we see animals in distress we're not going to sit there on a, we're not going to sit there and do nothing <laughs> yeah i will warn you jessica i am no legal eagle but uh, <laughs> on several times when i've been threatened with prosecution that has been you know when the police have said what is your reason for being on this private property i just quote them pot I'll be looking it up as soon as I'm off this podcast. <laughs> I'll be uh, and it then up, again, if they forbid me to do it, uh, can they be charged? Yeah, so it gets it, look. It's a ridiculous situation having regulations to ensure that our animals are well treated, but at the same time they prevent people from completing the act for doing something worthwhile to help an animal. We will see what happens. Listen, I'll try and get down there on Friday. Oh, we'd love that. We'd love to see you, Rob. That'd be really great. We're, um, I think there'll be a few of us down there the first day. I don't think there's going to be a lot of action down there the first day. They're starting on a Friday, which is a bit weird. Um, so we think it will just be like a day of them setting up. But we, we'll all be down there showing um, you know, our support for the koalas. We'll be there yeah. watching them, and we want them to know that we're going to be down there watching them. Uh, this is why uh, I'll start on a Friday. They did this up in Powtown. I was involved in campaigns there with the Leadbeater's Possum. They always went in on the Friday because there was no news until Monday, basically. So they could get things underway and all cleaned up and nice and neat. Now, uh, with uh, every phone being a TV camera, That's it's right. uh, a different world. So, look, I'm pretty sure, I'm hopeful that Midway is a responsible company. Uh, no doubt they'll have spotters in there. Now, these people are really there just to cover up any accidents usually the requirements are to report to the department any deaths or injured wildlife That's right. That's not actually do anything about it they've just got to report it no the wildlife expert i i did actually ask for confirmation about who this wildlife expert was in the in the timber harvesting plan and it was a spotter and that spotter is trained and paid for um, by midway so you know they're not They've only got, they're, they're basically serving midway. They're not serving animals. They're authorised by DELP though. So buck stops with DELP. Jessica, thank you very much for the interview. And we'll, I just hope it doesn't go ahead. And, and we're resigned to it. I can see that. But it just sounds so wrong. All of it. It is. And we, we will keep letting people know how wrong it is. We don't, we're not going to just give up. Jessica is another one of our wonderful wildlife carers. This issue is a simple one. Relocate the four koalas. Simple as that. This is the Aussie Animal Show on Triple A Radio.